Hi, I'm Callie. And I'm Rachel. And we are Pelvic Service Announcement. And we are continuing. Let's go. Our menopause series with the episode I've been the most excited about because we are going to talk about menopause and its implications for the pelvic floor today. Yes. So, which is our bread and butter. This is where we live. I can tell you these implications in my sleep because I have these conversations (laughs) every single day. Every day. So... If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know what the pelvic floor is. The pelvic Mm -hmm. floor is a group of muscles at the bottom of the body. It's like a muscular hammock. Mm -hmm. It's made up of fascia and muscle and ligaments and vasculature and nerves and all of these kind of all of these different structures that provide support to the abdominal pelvic cavity. It regulates pressure. It plays a role in sexual function, urinary function and bowel function. But these muscles are not immune to the aging process, just like nothing in our body is immune to that aging process. Mm -hmm. So the muscles and tissues of the pelvic floor are especially sensitive to estrogen changes. So we see this not only in menopause, but people talk to us all the time about, oh, my symptoms are worse leading Mm -hmm. up to my cycle. I mean, there's all kinds of ways we see that these are muscles these muscles are estrogen sensitive but that really comes into play when we start talking about menopause Mm -hmm. they've actually seen changes in the collagen of those structures due to that estrogen deficiency that's so cool which then can have some pretty significant effects on the support mechanism of the muscles and so with that decrease in tissue integrity we can have all kinds of problems we can have problems with continence of bladder or bowel we can start to have problems of pelvic organ prolapse i mean just all kinds of problems pop up when we start to have these changes in estrogen which then results in musculoskeletal changes of the pelvic floor it's really crazy and there's a lot of really cool research that's like coming out to um this article in particular is from July of 2022 in the Journal of Sports Medicine. Um, And it's talking about the mechanisms of estrogen influence on skeletal muscle. And so it's really cool that we know that because of these receptors um, in, and and again, we have estrogen all over the body. It's just primarily within that pelvic region is specifically in women, but it's really, it really can be related to overall muscle health and muscle function, which is really, really cool. Um, it can play a role, um, in the mitigation of muscle injury and enhanced post damage repair through various mechanisms, um, including prophylactic effects on muscle satellite cell number and function, as well as membrane stability, um, potential antioxidant in influences following an injury, um, exercise, or even just like mitochondrial stress, um, estrogen replacement, um, in addition to, or sorry, in addition to estrogen replacement exercise has been found to serve as means of augmenting and or mimicking 
the effects of estrogen on skeletal muscle function in recent research. So please continue to exercise even into your postmenopausal years. Thank you so much. I I think that's fascinating. I do too. And along that same train, I found a controlled clinical trial titled, Do Stages of Menopause Affect the Outcomes of Pelvic Floor Muscle Training? And basically what they found is that strength increase can be achieved at all stages of menopause with pelvic floor muscle training. So going back to what Rachel said, keep training. You may have been told by your doctor, you have vaginal atrophy. You may have been told, oh, you've got pelvic organ prolapse. You may have been told all of these things. You may think I'm 85. What Mm -hmm. benefit does this have? But all of it, it has benefit. All of it. So again, with exercise it has been found to serve as means of augmenting and or mimicking the effects of estrogen on skeletal muscle function and so we can really again with exercising you're mimicking the effects of estrogen and so again you're getting better you're getting better muscle repair you're getting better recovery those antioxidant benefits and everything like that again we're really not sure why estrogen plays such a role in that muscle function and this is not exclusive to the pelvic floor but you bet your butt it definitely plays a role mm-hmm. it, is, it is very very significant here as well i just think that is so cool i am so yeah. excited like to find like the next like you know the next big article the next big like research study that really shows kind of like what in the world is going on like why um kind of how it all works together but like it's that's fascinating it's almost like as this research comes out it sounds like like we wrote the research we're like if you exercise literally it's, it's like if i could make up something like how can i get menopause like how can i get literally perimenopausal and postmenopausal women to work out oh i'll just tell I'll just them, tell them. It, it acts like estrogen and then there's just research that comes out that says, hey, actually, hey, actually <laughs> when you work out, I just think all the more reason to come to physical really, therapy. Yes, it's really, really cool. And so this is, I'm going to read you the abstract from this other article. That, and we'll post all of these articles. That way you know that we're not just making this We're, we're really not. We really we're are. like, in the Callie and Rachel recent yeah. article, it says... <laughs> No, this is like in the public service announcement research journal. We did not do this research. We had no hand in this research. We literally just Google things. And so this is called the roles of estrogen, estrogen receptors, and estrogen related receptors in skeletal muscle. The regulation of mitochondrial function. If you remember, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It is the only thing I remember from biology. Thank you. (laughs) Honestly. And I learned it in like fifth grade and I have never looked back. Never looked back. This abstract says estrogen is an essential sex steroid hormone, right? We know that that functions primarily in female reproductive systems, as well as in a variety of tissues and organs with pleiotropic effects, such as cardiovascular, nervous, immune, and musculoskeletal systems. When women with low estrogen, as exemplified by those in postmenopause, are therefore prone to suffer from various disorders, i.e. cardiovascular disease, dementia, metabolic syndrome, that's kind of the precursor to diabetes, um, osteoporosis, sarcopenia, frailty, frailty sorry this is very clearly translated into english and so some of these words are a little bit different fragility right and so on and so forth estrogen regulates the expression of its target genes by binding to its cognate receptors 
those are our estrogen receptors, alpha and beta. Notably, the estrogen-related receptors, alpha, beta, and gamma, are originally identified as orphan receptors that share substantial structural homology and common transcriptional targets with estrogen receptors. This is a lot of chemistry and neuroscience, but basically what it's saying is that some of these estrogen-related receptors um, really can kind of mimic some of those other like forms of estrogen, basically. Um, Accumulating evidence suggests that estrogen receptors and estrogen-related receptors play crucial roles in skeletal muscles, such as muscle mass maintenance, muscle exercise physiology, and muscle regeneration. Um, And so this is really, really cool. Again, so it's like not only do like the estrogen receptors, but also some other estrogen related receptors that aren't estrogen, but kind of close enough can all kind of come together to, again, support that skeletal muscle. It's mass maintenance, exercise physiology, muscle regeneration, your healing, that anti-inflammatory process. And so all of those things kind of come together to give us good muscle strength. And again, when we go into menopause and those estrogen levels start to drop off, that is why we see these changes in the cardiovascular, nervous, immunomusculoskeletal systems. Okay, so we talked about one of the biggest changes with as women age is that increased risk of osteoporotic changes. Mm-hmm. And we know that if we do resistance training, like Wolf's Law kicks in, which is basically right. when you put stress on a bone, it strengthens to accommodate the stress over time. Increased load increase will increase our bone production. I wonder if another way to mitigate that or to fight that is with, if it's acting like estrogen, I wonder if you have less of that bone yeah. breakdown. Probably. I Probably, you know, if we can, if we can kind of mimic the effects of estrogen uh-huh. with strength training and resistance exercise, if that is going to help to kind of combat. And I mean, that's, I wonder if that's like the, pa- like, we know that we know that that is like a thing. We know that that's how it works, but I wonder if that's kind of like the the mechanism like another, the pathway uh, like a multi yeah mechanism yeah. of action the reason strength i just yeah. think i don't know every time i'm like i wonder what could fix this it's like strength training or Literally. exercise or Literally. I, just, <laughs> I can i don't know why i'm so baffled but i think it's super super fascinating okay no, it's really cool one of the biggest concerns or the biggest things we see in here a lot is pelvic organ prolapse and i mentioned that yes. earlier and we've talked before in our pelvic organ prolapse episodes about how menopause is a risk factor for pelvic organ prolapse so from what i read initial pelvic organ prolapse was usually from stress, either from vaginal childbirth or there's all kinds of other things, heavy lifting, obesity, hysterectomy, all things, kinds of things kind of created an initial stress. So maybe mm-hmm. we had like a grade one, but then it seems to become worse with the atrophy of the tissue. And so we talked about how estrogen is going to impact pelvic floor muscles. It, it's going to cause a thinning of the vagina and reduce the strength of the connective tissue. And so if you've already got a little bit of that prolapse with those tissue changes, it can become worse. Mm -hmm. 
this isn't my patient one, but I actually had something really cool happen where this woman knew she had about a grade one, grade two prolapse and her mom had had very, very severe pelvic organ prolapse, like debilitating. Mm -hmm. And she recognized, Hey, I've going, going through menopause. I've gone through menopause. I saw my mom suffer with this. I know I have it, but it's not bad yet. I'm having no symptoms yet. Mm -hmm. I need to do something about it. I love that. And so she came to therapy and we've just been strengthening the heck out of her pelvic core. And I just love that. If more people, I wonder just if more people knew about this and could do some kind of preventative medicine. So that was a win for medicine. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Just, and You've heard us say this. We have a whole episode titled this. You will hear us say it time and time again. Knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is power. Knowing what your body is capable of, knowing what is going on with your body, knowing what you are susceptible to, whether that has anything to do with your lifestyle, your age, your race, your, you know, medical diagnoses, anything like that, knowing what implications those things kind of have on your health and what you can do about Mm -hmm. it is so so powerful and that's going to keep you active that's going to keep you mobile that's going to help to keep you healthy if you know the things that you need to do to mitigate some of those risks you're going to be good to go Mm -hmm. good to go Something else I wanted to talk about was recurrent UTIs during menopause because I did not realize this was a thing until I started doing pelvic floor physical therapy. I had no idea that was another like fun feature to look forward to with aging. What a fun time. Um, But real quick, kind of the mechanism, our natural protective mechanism against UTI, because we've talked about it before the vagina is kind of open to the world. Like it's one of the few body cavities that's like open to the world. So it's going to be introduced to more bacteria than, you know, your typical parts of the body. It, especially with how close it is to the rectum and that's Mm -hmm. how close it is to the urethra, but it's got a built in protective mechanism. Um, via lactobacillus which we talked about a lot when we talked Mm -hmm. about the vagina bible so what this is is a bacteria that colonizes in a healthy vagina especially before menopause and i just think it's really cool because um our body actually or there's carbohydrate glycogen released by the vaginal walls, which is then fermented by the lactobacillus into lactic acid. Wild. And that acid plays a role in inhibiting foreign bacteria and pathogens from colonizing in the urogenital tract. That's crazy. Which is so cool, I think. But when we have... Self-cleaning oven, ladies. Self-cleaning oven. Self-cleaning oven. That's why you don't need to douche because you're getting rid of all of that. That's why you don't need to clean it because... That bacteria is there and it's good. Now, when we have a reduction in estrogen, when we have lower estrogen levels, this actually pretty significantly decreases the number of lactobacilli in the vaginal flora. So with that reduction in bacteria, we're not making as much acid and the pH of that um, vaginal canal of our urogenital tract raises. So when things are more acidic, they have a lower pH. When things are more basic or neutral, they have a higher pH. So that pH raises, which then stops that bacteria from doing its job. So now we are able to have these bad things colonize in that urinary tract. That's Putting crazy. us at risk for UTIs. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. We also have some thinning of that tissue, so it's can become inflamed easier and just all of these crazy things. But 
I just think that's so so crazy that so, is wild so crazy good but news is you can prevent it you yes. can prevent it if you are postmenopausal, there's a good chance that you are going to get a lovely prescription for vaginal estrogen and use you it. are going to use it and you are going to thrive and everything is going to feel better uh, they actually i've just just so happened to find a meta-analysis of oh. randomized control trials um and so this is called the um this is called estrogen for the prevention of recurrent urinary tract infections in postmenopausal women a meta-analysis of randomized control trials that. and this was published in 2020 so this is some good recent recent stuff uh, basically, what they looked at was they looked at um, all the randomized control trials that they could find that compared the use of vaginal estrogen versus oral estrogen um, versus a placebo to identify what was the most effective at limiting recurrent UTIs. And what they found was that compared with placebo, vaginal estrogen treatment could reduce the number of recurrent UTIs and lower the vaginal pH in postmenopausal women. If you get a prescription for vaginal estrogen use it please I, i've started asking people especially my women that i know who may have some of these problems yes. like, did your doctor prescribe you vaginal estrogen and so many of them will look me in my face and say yes but i'm not using it and then my next question is why, why? and if it's like oh, i didn't like I'm like, do you like UTIs? No. <laughs> then we're going to use the estrogen. Do you like fragile vaginal tissues? No? Great. Yeah. yeah, that vaginal estrogen, I think, is a game changer. It really is. And it's typically not something that you have to use every single day mm -mm. either. It's usually like three to four times a week. Um, and if there is a concern, okay, well, you know, we always say, okay, well, what about the estrogen replacement? You know, is that going to cause any sort of breast cancer? No, the concentration of estrogen within the cream is so low um, that it really does just stay right in those vaginal tissues. It typically does not get absorbed into the bloodstream. That is also from the vagina Bible. Like, you yeah. can go, like if you have that book, she talks about that a lot in there as well, um, that it is, it is very safe. Um, and so if you do have either like a history of breast cancer or a history of cancer in general, and you are concerned about that, talk to your doctor about it. Um, definitely have that conversation with them but again it is typically very 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 safe and again typically but again have that conversation um, but if this is something that you have been prescribed use it it can significantly improve I'd say the vast majority of those like genitourinary symptoms related to menopause I was talking to a urogynecologist and she told me they're even using this vaginal estrogen in some breast cancer centers. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so I had a patient with a history of breast cancer who had been prescribed vaginal estrogen and her oncologist was like, no. And her urologist was, was like, like, yes. yes. <laughs> so they had a conversation and she was telling me about it. And I was like, listen, they both outrank me. Yeah. <laughs> So they need I to, cannot write prescriptions like, in the first place. I was like, they outrank me. You let them hash that out and then whatever they decide. And I was like, here's what I know. You talk to them again. They outrank me. I'm not making that call. And she finally came back and she was like, well, my oncologist doesn't like it, but she's OK with it. <laughs> So I guess they talked and worked that it out. That is so funny. Um, but it helped her so I ever it helps a lot of people. But there's other things you can do too. Like I said earlier, 
avoid douching. Mm-hmm. You, you don't ever need to douche. You want to clean the vulva with some water. That Some of the external portion you can clean with a non-scented soap. Mm-hmm. But anything internally or when we start even getting i think into like the inner portion of the labia water and then in the actual vaginal canal nothing nothing Mm -mm. not water don't you don't need to like run your pressure washer up in there like it's fine leave it alone don't use anything with fragrance um no creams or anything unless like Mm -mm. i said it's that estrogen cream prescribed by a provider some people will tell me they've like have vaginal dryness so they're putting vaseline or someone told me one time neosporin and i was like nope we're not doing that Nuh-uh. anymore no no ma'am maybe no, go for a shower ma'am. instead of a bath that hot water can just sometimes be very drying to the tissues especially sitting in that hot water staying hydrated is important for so many things mm-hmm. reducing that bladder irritation reducing the concentration of the urine coming out through the urethra and if the urethra is already a little bit irritated that tissue is a little more fragile and prone to inflammation you want that urine as dilated Mm -hmm. as diluted as possible but it's also just good for your all your tissues to be hydrated so making sure you're staying hydrated is really really important and then proper hygiene always wiping from front to back instead of back to front you had to think about that for a second I did it was like front (laughs) to back um kind of circling back to vaginal estrogen real quick um because I did just find an article that was published like three (sighs) days ago lay it on us we love you cannot get more current no unless you walk to the press and pull it out yourself and this is called Vaginal Estrogen Therapy and Survival in Women with Breast Cancer, Analysis of Population-Based Cohorts from Scotland and Wales. Um, and so this particular article, they basically pose the question, do women with breast cancer who use vaginal estrogen therapy have a higher risk of breast cancer-specific mortality? So does it increase... Um, the specific mortality rates uh, specific to breast cancer with vaginal estrogen compared with no hormone replacement therapy. Um, And this is after the diagnosis of breast cancer. Um, And so they basically like, you know, again, many breast cancer patients experience genitourinary syndrome of menopause, just the same way that any other woman might. And they, obviously there has been, you know, an concern with the use of estrogen. However, what they found between all, and this was, um, 49,000 237 patients with breast cancer. So a decent sample size. 49,000. So um, good, good sample size. And so they had a, uh, they had a percentage used vaginal estrogen after diagnosis. They had um, another, another percentage used systemic hormone replacement therapy. So more of like the, the oral hormone replacement therapy. And what, they found in these large contemporary population-based breast cancer cohorts, there was no 
evidence that vaginal estrogen therapy was associated with increased risk of early breast cancer specific mortality. And again, this was published like three days ago. And so that is the most recent of the recents. And so again, there is very little concern. There is very little risk. Have that conversation with your doctor, have that conversation with your oncologist. But even still, if you do have that previous diagnosis of breast cancer, this is still a good, a, a viable option for you. Any of the symptoms, whether you have pelvic organ prolapse or some Vaginal atrophy, vaginal pain, recurrent UTIs, all of those Mm -hmm. things. I will say, even in my, what I always tell people when it comes to vaginal estrogen is, look, we can get better without it. We're going to get much better, much faster if you take it as prescribed, when it's been prescribed. We don't ever prescribe it here. That's not our job. But when it's been prescribed, I'm like, listen, can we get better without it? Yes, but you're going to get better results so much faster because that tissue is going to respond better you're just better equipping that tissue exactly um but with all of those symptoms we've talked about a lot of these menopause symptoms where pain is involved where prolapse is involved things like the utis pelvic floor physical Mm -hmm. therapy can be really Mm -hmm. really beneficial and that's something i treat on a daily 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 basis day Day to day. I would argue it's just as important during menopause as it is postpartum. 100%. 100%. Again, because of that drop in estrogen, we see a decrease in muscle function. Just a decrease, not an absence. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And so it's just, yes, those muscles are getting weaker. What do we do with weak muscles? We strengthen them. Just because that estrogen isn't there doesn't mean that the muscle still isn't going to respond. It's just going to look a little bit different. And so there are so, so, so many different things that we can do to improve just general vaginal health, but also for that pelvic floor muscle strength and function Mm -hmm. and coordination, proper toileting habits so we can even further reduce the risk for UTIs, reduce bladder pain, everything, all of the things, all Mm -hmm. of the things. All of the things. And so a lot of these things are in your control as well. Go exercise. And again, mm-hmm. you're mimicking the results of estrogen, which is so cool. So you're cool. mimicking those results. You're mimicking that that pathway. And we can we can still we can still combat some of these, some of these side effects. And so I don't ever want anybody to think that like, oh, menopause is like, you know, a the, you know, to dread coming to it or anything like that. Like there are so many different things that we can do to mitigate the effects of menopause. There's a lot of things that we can do. A lot of things that we can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff. Did you have anything else? That's about it. That was about it. We'll post all of the the research articles and like the PMID numbers and everything like that in case your little heart desires to go read some further research about this. Um, But pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. Very cool. Very, very cool. Do you have a patient win? Do I ever? I actually discharged this patient. She came to see me for recurrent UTIs. Nocturia, like, so nocturia, if you don't know, that is getting up at night to go to the bathroom. So severe. She was getting up seven times at night. Oh, goodness. She wasn't sleeping. She was having a little bit of incontinence. And just her symptoms had gotten to the point they were really, really, really 
impacting her life. Mm -hmm. Like she wasn't sleeping. She was having a hard time wanting to go out in public because she was having incontinence. All of these things. We go through therapy and not a, there was not a time she didn't come in and like tell me she was better. Like it just kind of kept getting better, better, better. Did everything I asked her to do at home. And I told, she told me one time, she was like, I'm ecstatic. Like, this is so, like, I never dreamed this would work this well. And I was like, you're, I was like, it's working because you're working. Yeah. And she was like, well, why would you do this? Why would you put in the time to come to therapy if you weren't going to do the things? And I was like, (laughs) you'd be surprised. (laughs) Like, well, (laughs) it's a very good point. You're not right. When I discharged her, she gave me the biggest hug and told me she this had literally changed her Stop, life. Stop, I'm going to cry. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was just awesome when people look at you in your face and they're like, yeah. she told me, she was like, I just thought I had to live with this for the rest of my life. And she said, this has literally changed my life. And That's just wonderful. the smile on her face. And because a lot of times those people, when it's really impacting their life, they come in here a little more withdrawn. They don't, mm-hmm. they're skeptical. They don't know if this is going to work because they just feel hopeless. Yeah. And then for her just to get better, better, better to then having zero, pro- she was, yeah. wasn't getting up at all, sleeping through the night, Love wasn't that. getting up once, um, wasn't having any incontinence at yeah. all, was able to do everything she needed to do with no problem, without thinking about anything, worrying That's about awesome. anything. And just when people tell me it changed their life, I love that. I absolutely, like, I live for that. And it's always a good reminder of this is why we do this. Yeah, this is why we do what we do. I love that so much. What is your patient win? So I've been seeing this patient for, this is my second time seeing her. We had discharged after she had her first baby. um, And she she killed it. She really did. She came a really, really, really far away. She, after she had her first baby, she had had a pretty significant tear, um, during that delivery process and was pretty painful, pretty restricted and wasn't really able to tolerate like a ton of movement, especially anything that had a lot of abduction at the hips. Um, she just, that, tissue just did not want to stretch with it. And so we worked a lot just on her general like hip mobility and strengthening. And like by the end of it, she was like, my husband wants to buy you flowers. that weird? (laughs) Like, what are your favorite flowers? He's going to send you some. And so I started seeing her again, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, I saw her up on my schedule for an eval. And I was like, I wonder if she had another baby and sure enough she did and so she came in and she was like yep I had another baby this delivery was a lot easier she did tear a little bit not the same degree as she did the first time I think the first time it was like a third degree tear I think she was either at like a one a first or a second degree tear this time um and so she was like didn't have as much tearing um everything feels better she's like I definitely still want to go through like the rehab process again after that but she's at like such a better place starting off after her second baby than she was at her first. And I think a lot of it is that like, she knows what to expect. She knows her body a little bit better. She knows kind of like the movements that she needs to, needs to do. Um, and, and she said it herself. She was like, I never grew up playing sports. Like she, and these were her words, not mine. She called herself a nerd. Okay. I didn't, I'm not calling her a nerd. She called herself a nerd. She was like, I never played sports. Like I wasn't like, I wasn't really super active. Like I've never really been athletic. And so she's like, all of these things, like all of these movement patterns like these are so new to me like Mm -hmm. these are these are brand new 
but she's so much more confident with them this time around mm-hmm. than she was after after her first pregnancy. And so it's just been it's been really awesome to see just kind of like the difference and also kind of like the change in her demeanor as well. Like she's also very, like she's like a lot calmer about everything. I think after, you know, kind of that that first first experience she was kind of a little freaked out of like am I ever going to be okay again like what is going on um and so she kind of knows what to expect she knows Mm -hmm. her body a lot better and so she's just like rocking and rolling like she's Mm -hmm. already better like significantly better we're really just kind of working on some hip range of motion at this point and like still some scar tissue mobility but she's like she's a rock star she's a rock star so I love that yeah I think my favorite part about being at this job for a length of time now is seeing people through multiple pregnancies it's so much fun it's so much fun so fun I joked with my patients I had like not a curse but for a while when I would get women later in postpartum Mm -hmm. like six eight nine months postpartum closer to that year almost every single one of them when I would go to discharge would at that visit I'm like okay we're gonna discharge next time they would come in pregnant yeah you're like surprise surprise like, <laughs> it just was funny like I went through a period of time there and I had a patient the other so day weird. we're about to discharge yeah. and she's like well we're thinking about having another baby I was like I'm seeing you again in four weeks you'll be pregnant by then yeah <laughs> I was like I have a curse we will not or be a discharging however, <laughs> however you want to see it however you want to see it it's just funny that oh that's hilarious. so fun that's such a great yeah win, yeah i love it's, it it's really cool like i said just kind of seeing her through like the second postpartum journey and just seeing kind of like the difference and just like i said like she's just so much more confident about everything and like we can kind of dive back into like some of the things that we were doing closer <clears throat> to discharge the first time that I saw her, we're like already starting now. And so I'm like, this is awesome. Like we're going to be able to progress you like even further. Now we're going to be able to work on even oh, more that's stuff. So, so cool. I'm so excited. And there's so I, that pregnancy and postpartum rehab is oh. so fun. It is Chef's kiss. so Chef's kiss. That is so my favorite. Fun. That is my favorite. And it never ceases to amaze me. If you're me pregnant, how, come hang out with us. Yeah. Please. Come hang out. I just it always like in, amazes me how awesome the female body is truly, it is so truly. resilient and wonderful and can do all of these just amazing things just so cool just so very, cool. very cool love this job love we do love our patients love everything yeah all right i think this wraps up our <laughs> menopause series so We'll come back in with something different next time. I hope you guys enjoyed the menopause series. If there's anything else that you want to hear specifically, go ahead and let us know. And we'll try to do an episode over it. Please, please, please. Otherwise, we will see you guys next week. Goodbye.